0: Science
1: Podcast. This is the Barely Science Podcast, brought to you by the ANU Centre for the Public Awareness of Science. As always, my name's Alec, and here with me is Ryan. Hello. And a very special guest here we have with us is Rob. Hello. So Rob, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? So what sets you apart from the trash scientists that Ryan and I are?
0: Ah, right. Well, I'm a mathematician, not a scientist. So I'm a barely mathematician. I'm a PhD student here at the ANU, just like you two. But I'm not I'm just down on the floor, not up the great mountain that you two are on. <laughs>
2: we do stand above everyone yeah, else. That's yeah. right
0: like, both uh and don't we know it down here? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Physically and uh mentally some might say No. <laughs> of course oh. not. No. <laughs> I made a phone box that I sent up high. <laughs> I... Oh, dear. <laughs> I nice scratch on it's
0: pages.
1: It, You're still beating me. It's <laughs> funny because it's true. No, we're all trash in our own way. Uh. Message for the day. <laughs> <laughs> so since we have a, a real-life mathematician here amongst us, I wanted to start off by talking about some trash maths, mm-hmm. which um, has been brought up in a couple of things I've been reading about. Um which I found quite funny because it's something that sits quite close to a, a physicist's heart, and I'm sure to all our dear listeners will have fond memories of... Because physicists
0: py- are trash at math. Yes,
1: yeah. mm. so <laughs> cool. we're, we're bad at it, so we need to use the <laughs> easy parts of it. Um, so people might remember from early on in high school and maybe even primary school, depending on where you went, is Pythagoras' theorem.
0: Oh, yeah, Pythagoras' yeah. theorem It's a good one.
1: Or do you want to define it for us, Rob, as our...
0: Resident mathematician uh, Sure thing <laughs> Pythagoras' theorem is about triangles <laughs> About a special type of triangle A right angle triangle So there's uh, I, don't, I haven't thought about this in a long time <laughs> There's two legs which make the right angle And then there's a, a side called the hypotenuse Which joins those two mm. And the Pythagoras' theorem is an algebraic relation Between the lengths of those yeah. sides of the triangle in particular, the square of the length of the hypotenuse is the sums of the squares of the other two sides.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people will probably have horrible memories of being forced to do this on a heap of, heap of different triangles and then never look at it ever again and wonder why they ever did it. But, of course, in, for I pretty much use it every day, finally. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, so the, that's such a useful relationship that mm. in physics we end up intentionally breaking things down into right-angled triangles so we can use things like trigonometry in mm. Pythagoras to... Work things out And if you want Especially when we want To put things in coordinates In relation to a sphere So um, spherical coordinates As in if you want it mm. Rather than defining uh, A length, height and a depth That's kind of what An X, Y, Z coordinate system oh, You can yeah, define yeah. things In terms of uh, how high it is How far around it is And then how far away mm-hmm. um, And the how far away part Is given again By Pythagoras theorem That's right
2: This is some really Useful relations mm. But um, <laughs> In fact The base Measurement system in astronomy, the parsec, is based on trigonometry.
0: Yeah, the so unit of time.
2: No, mm-mm. oh, you've been watching too many, too many Star Wars. <laughs> uh, yeah, so <laughs> the parsec is um, a, a trigonometric relation between uh, the the orbit uh, size of the Earth, so how far away the Earth is from the Sun, and how far a star moves on the sky as you move around you to parallax. Yeah, so if you ever want, if you're at home and you want
1: to simulate parallax effect, if you kind of stick your thumb out and kind of a thumbs up thing, extend your arm out the whole way, and then look at it closing one eye and then open the other eye and close the other and kind of blink back and forward, it will look like your thumb kind of shifts from side to side. And true. That's it works. Because of parallax. and it, Or the same reason why you, if you're in a train, the mountains look like they're moving really off in the distance, look like they're moving slowly, but then mm-hmm. the tracks right near you look like they're whizzing by. It's all the same effect. Mm. Um, mm. So Pythagoras being such a, a famous name and really familiar to pretty much everyone, um, in the whole world, it turns out he's actually kind of a strange character. very strange character. <laughs> um, and, in fact... Many
0: mathematicians act- are.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's a lineage that he's left behind. Um, <laughs> but it turns out he's a bit of a, a cult leader back in ancient Greece. So he's born around 400 or so BC um, and even though he's attributed with this amazing theorem with right angle triangles, mm. um, modern historians actually believe that it's entirely possible that he had nothing to do with it, but actually it was more the ideas that he forced his followers of this crazy kind of cult that he led, that so, kind
2: of led to those ideas. What's up with this cult business? Was this the going thing back in the day?
0: Yeah, lots of great philosophers did have a big following and that yeah. attracted a lot of people. And mm. it became cult-like.
1: Yeah. So in particular, this, this group had an obsession with whole numbers and they thought that everything in the universe could be made up of or described by whole numbers. So, you know, just the simple integers, one, two, three, four, nothing in between. They thought those are the special ones, that halves didn't really, were that weren't important. It was the whole things that mattered mm. um, and that, you know, Fractions and that kind of stuff—they were just made up of whole numbers, and so there was the whole
0: things that were important. So yep. everything is number.
1: Yeah. So they had they had ideas. In fact, it, some of them still persist today. So ideas like in music, where they mm. noticed um, different blacksmiths when they used different hammers, they had this. They got obsessed with the fact that the different hammers at different sizes rang in different tunes, mm. rang in different oh. notes. Wow. And so there was this whole size thing that gave the hammers the different sound, which is of course true. Um, so it's the basis of most musical instruments and in modern the way that modern music is constructed by having integers, so whole number amounts of waves resonating in different mm. types of objects, whether it's uh, resonating in your string or resonating in your block, if you're a percussion instrument or whatever. But the, this is this idea that they became Quite obsessed with mm-hmm. um, and eventually that whole number idea led to things like looking at triangles and shapes and squares and all that kind of fun stuff <laughs> um, but they also had some some weird ideas there's a particular obsession with beans and what? being averse to beans right um, in that you they don't, like, o- guess, they were instructed <laughs> they were instructed to not eat beans and and then there's also part of the mythos of Pythagoras is that when he was killed eventually by his followers, apparently they burnt his house down. And then when he ran out, he was faced. they chased him into a field of father beans, but then he refused to go into the field of beans, so he was
2: killed <laughs> there. Oh, wow. He couldn't escape. Couldn't <laughs> escape. <What? laughs> uh, is the there? Did you find any uh, reason behind this aversion to beans? <sighs> there's a bit of there's debate over if it's really true or if it's just part of the mythos. But then there's also
1: ideas is that I think there are certain um, allergies that can be built up if you have too many of certain types of beans, certain types of gastrointestinal issues you can get. Um, Mm. But it's still not
0: entirely clear. Mm. So with all these ancient Greek philosophical cults, there was a lot of them all at the same time. And they were fighting for people to come and stay with them and pay them. Mm. So they would talk rubbish about each other. And so philosophers have... Found it All hard right. to determine the difference between what was true and what was just trash talk among different philosophical cults.
2: Oh, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah. and a, 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 another
1: part of the issue a lot with these kind of Greek histories is that they're often oral. Tr- um, so we don't have a lot of the writings of the Greek historians because, or the mm. original writings, because they weren't actually books that were written down, they were just stories that were being Once told they were and burnt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, but it's it's kind of a funny thing to think about in that if this is obsession with whole numbers, that pretty quickly we get into this idea of what's called irrational numbers when you start dealing with Pythagoras theorem. Yeah. Um, so, Rob, do you want to take us into the crazy world of irrational numbers? Sure, sure.
0: So, um, <clears throat> where do you want to start with this? Yeah, <laughs> where do we want to start? So, before we said we had a right angle triangle, and if the two legs uh, making the right angle have size one, which is a perfectly natural, Mm. normal thing to do. There's no reason not to have it. That's right. Then what must the length of the hypotenuse be? Well, if we go back to our... That's right. We we (laughs) had Pythagoras' theorem before, so we can use that. So one squared plus one squared has to be two. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Quick math. (laughs) So that means that... The length of the hypotenuse c squared must be equal to two, so the length of the hypotenuse must be the square root of two. Yeah. But therein the problem, therein is the problem. Therein (laughs) lies the problem. Yeah. Okay. This is an irrational number. This number cannot be written as the ratio of two whole numbers. And so, Pythagoras didn't like this. A number that's not to do with whole numbers. This can't be good.
2: So a whole number is one. Which is what's the definition for that? Surface level definitions, fine
0: Yeah, right We don't need to go deep. A whole number is just a number in the sequence Zero, one, two, three, four
2: so We're shocking our
1: mathematician friend by
0: Yeah, trying to define <laughs> to what, define is, a what <laughs> is a number But, you see, but it, this is part of the problem for Pythagoras I mean, yeah. to say to what a number is Is surprisingly difficult, I suppose Yeah, mm. so they And he believed that these things that couldn't be expressed as fractions Were not numbers
1: Oh. Yeah, so they they they're very upset by these these numbers because of course the square root of two you, you can't write down as a fraction. It's just you, That's can, get, right. you can get close, but you can't ever.
0: Yeah, you you get can it. get arbitrarily close, in fact, but you can never get the exact number. So how fraction. can we
1: get how can we get arbitrarily close? Right. Okay, <laughs> 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 We're delving so, into the maths depths yeah. here. Yeah, tonight. I don't
0: know this this took uh, mathematicians a long time to figure out. <laughs> so. What do I mean by arbitrarily close? I mean, given any distance between the square root of two and some other number, so as small as you like, we can always find some fraction which lies between, which lies,
1: pardon me. Which gets you to that distance. Yeah, thank you. Or gets
0: you within that distance. Yeah. At least. Yeah.
1: But we can't get to no distance between them.
0: Not with a fraction, no. Yeah.
1: So, so in that case, we're kind of building up these, I'm guessing, stupidly complex sums that, you know, plus a little bit, minus a little bit. Or yeah, that's and right. we're getting closer and closer and closer, but we can never actually get there. That's right. Yeah.
2: So, did the Pythagoreans um, get to this point of maths, or is this much later on?
0: This is much later on. Okay. Yeah. So, so we, another yeah. one was pi. Mm. Uh, and that's <laughs> even a bigger problem for... The definition of numbers than root two, but yeah, a yeah, two can't be expressed as a fraction of whole numbers. Yeah, and the Greeks didn't know this, I think. They just some said that it was 22 over seven. Mm. I think different Greeks have given different or different mathematicians right. throughout history have given it's, that's now known different as different definitions engineering of engineering approximation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <A> one, yeah, pi <laughs> is equal to one, <laughs> is equal to e. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Uh, sounds well, that, like the cosmology definition to me. <laughs>
1: Natural well, units. We just, we just mentioned another irrational number that's really important, which is E. e. Yeah, so that's it's an right. E for Euler's number. So my maths lecturer in um, through um, un- through undergrad was obsessed with Euler. He was a bit of an Euler fanboy. Um, so um, Euler, was he Swiss? Swiss.
0: Swiss, Swiss right. yeah. Yep.
1: Um, and my, my lecturer would always call him a great towering genius. <laughs> so this kind of He got yeah. very... Animated when talking about Euler, but uh, he was Eil- great. <laughs> Euler's number is something that comes into play in a lot of different ways, and it's really quite interesting. It comes actually back to trigonometry as well, but it, it, its origin comes from how things grow over time. So, mm. and if that growth rate, if you have some population of things, mm-hmm. so that can in very commonly be something like bacteria. Or an amount of money that you're earning interest on, for example, and that the amount, if the amount that you're earning or the amount that it's growing, is proportional to the amount that you have. That's right. So the rich get richer kind of idea. Mm. Then the the amount that grows is determined by this number mm-hmm. e, and so e to the growth rate, um, or decaying things as well. So if the de- decay um, of radioactive isotopes, for example, mm. as well, is also given given to us by this. Weird, strange, irrational number that That's the Pythagoreans... Right.
0: I don't think the Pythagoreans would have known about E, no. but pi and square root of 2, definitely. Mm. But they didn't consider them numbers. Yeah.
2: So the Well, wait, pardon me.
0: They might have considered pi a number.
2: Mm. But they didn't
0: consider it irrational. Yeah, but they didn't yeah. think it was irrational. That's right. I thought the, it was 22 over yeah. 7 or something A good like point
2: that. with uh, both pi and square root of 2. You can arrive at these numbers uh, very geometrically. And That's I right. I think you can also do yeah. the same for E. Is that yeah. Yeah. So y- these are uh, very geometrically derived um, values. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you're hard pressed to say, well, this is just wrong. We've screwed up somewhere because you can literally see the calculation laid out quite plainly. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah.
0: So Pythagoras was so strong, strong, yeah, believed so strongly that the square root of two was not a number that one when one of his cult. Well, this may just be one of the stories from another (laughs) school, but when one of his cult came to him and proved that the square root of two is a number, he took him out on a ship and made him walk the plank. (laughs) So
2: so he killed someone (laughs) for (laughs)
0: believing that the square root of two is a number.
2: So I'm going to ask you a hard and possibly unfair question. How did he prove it was a number?
0: Uh, Just by the simple geometric reasoning you mentioned before. He gave this... I don't know the exact story, but he could have just presented Pythagoras with this right angle triangle with mm. side lengths one and one and said... Your own theorem disagrees.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah,
0: the theorem of your own name <laughs> <Yeah>. just, <laughs> just proves your belief. But he didn't like that, so yeah.
1: off and, the plank yeah. with you. It's probably worth mentioning that this was in a time before ideas of proofs, like they're known now in mathematics, they hadn't really been formalized yet. So mm. everything was kind of, most things were given geometric proofs, isn't there, kind of yep. geometric arguments. And it's quite amazing if you go back and read. So there's actually a Greek textbook that's still around. You can you can buy it from Amazon. You can yep. go and read it, Euclid's Elements.
0: Um, Second best-selling book ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Only to the Bible. Huh.
1: And it's quite it's quite amazing in that, all the arguments are presented in terms of everything's geometric. It's That's what Euclid's kind of known for is giving us the basis of geometry, how shapes and mm-hmm. everything work. But it's kind of imagining points in different places and angles between things. And mm-hmm. that's how most of the arguments went in that time on mathematics. Mm-hmm. There weren't these the kind of proofs that we see nowadays. So what is the structure of a proof now in mathematics? Because it's been a while since Mm. I've had to look at something like that. So what is the kind of the state of the art in terms of proofs?
0: It's actually much the same uh, or exactly the same as Euclid had it, but we just have different axiom systems. Mm. So Euclid had geometric axioms, Mm. and it was hard to distinguish the theory of numbers from the theory of geometry in Euclid. So the only real difference between us now and Euclid is that we have plenty of different axiom systems to describe different aspects of mathematics.
2: So So could you briefly just describe what an axiom is?
0: Sure, sure. So if a mathematician wants to study something, say space itself, we have to write down what we mean by what space is.
1: Hmm.
0: So what, (laughs) what kind of things might make up space? And of course you want to start with points And Euclid knew this I think he had Five five axioms Okay of f- For his definition of space And one of them was about points Points are things of no dimension I think he said Yeah, I'm not going to get <laughs> the wording exactly right mm. And then he gave other axioms For how to Construct other objects in space That we might want to study Right So if you have two points There's a way of Drawing a line between them You Mm. you just draw a ruler And interestingly he said that you could This line goes on indefinitely So this was a point of contention For a long time Among many a mathematician and clergyman Uh. So what does he mean by a line can go on Mm. Indefinitely Well
2: if you just draw a line It has a start and end right
0: Right but (laughs) you could could Extend it beyond those two starts and ends And one could say that Euclid meant the line is infinitely long. Mm. Or one could say that it just means you can extend it as, as far as you want. Mm. Uh, this might come up later, actually. <laughs> In infinities. <laughs> infinities, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, like, we're getting into a, a, a whole nasty realm. But just to kind of cap on that is Yeah,
0: that sorry. So the question was about axioms. Yeah. So... In order to say anything, we have to start somewhere, yeah, and that's what the axioms give us—a yeah. so like a place your, to start. Your
1: foundations of mathematics. That's yeah. exactly right. So the yeah. Greek philosophers love their axioms, and but they still form foundation of pretty much all kind of modern theoretical ideas that we have. But mm-hmm. people like Aristotle maybe took it a bit too seriously. So for Aristotle thought that you could just pretty much start with the correct axioms and get everything, get all the physics without any observations. Is in um, yeah, so he oh, had okay. the yeah, so he had. Ideas that were similar to something like what we now know as Newton's laws, but he got them a bit wrong. Right, um, he thought they were just fundamental and basic, and then you could work up from there. He mm. as in he what he called axioms weren't actually true axioms that applied to the world, <laughs> which so is a, <laughs> which is of course the danger with mathematics in some ways, in that you can write down a set of rules and then play the game from those rules. Yeah, that's but right. If, but if the rules don't apply to the Actual thing you want to learn about Then yeah. you've wasted a whole lot of effort And a whole lot of time
0: And this might have been Pythagoras's thinking mm. Yeah, You can write down these triangles And deal with these numbers But the square root of 2 isn't real Or at least a Pythagoras so Yeah, Maybe he was a little more of a physicist Than a mathematician <laughs> So
2: it's, it's a slight diversion But mm. it's something that always interests me Is that um, there are things in maths That can't be proven Or disproven And that Lies solely on your choice of axioms As I believe
0: Yeah that's right
2: Can you talk a bit more about those Because I, I was fascinated by that
0: Right yeah It's like a little school play a big diversion yeah, Tell me more <laughs> Right okay So yeah we start with our axiom systems And we have methods of deducing Deducing things from those axioms mm. And believe it or not We can say something about the power Of what we can deduce from any given axiom system
1: So we have axioms about axioms? (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I guess we have axioms about axioms
2: (laughs) The the cringe on um, (laughs) Rob's face was great
0: I think he's right I I think he's right
1: Although I think I just caused him some emotional pain Perhaps physical
0: pain (laughs) (laughs) So the cringe was more from the fact that Ryan's brought up A very conceptually difficult part of mathematics So the theorems he's relating to are called Gödel's incompleteness theorems mm. Mm. and things about undecidability. Mm. So and so <laughs> there are statements which you can write down in your axiom system. So, for example, one might be able to say something, ask a question about some geometric object. So, and that geometric object is defined within your axioms and you may not be able to answer the question that you ask.
2: Oh. Uh, well. Within the
0: axiom <laughs> system So you can broaden your horizons And add in extra axioms mm. And add in extra uh, deductive power And prove them mm. But then you've
2: You've muddied the waters too much Yeah, that's right Yeah, you just, You're effectively you've, solving the problem By introducing the solution Yeah <laughs> mm.
0: uh. <laughs> You're just pushing the problem back Yeah
2: yeah, sorry sorry for jumping on you. No, fact, no, that's all right. It, it's that's a pretty right. cool area of math. Yeah, that, it's fascinating. Because in school and stuff, you're kind of always taught that math always has a solution. There's always an answer to it. And I just find it fascinating that there is a particular area when you start thinking about it, that there is no known solution or kind of falsehood to it all.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: It, it just seems bizarre. Yeah,
0: that's right. We're sold mathematics as kids as being being very concrete and well understood but it's far from that Mm. and you may think that you know after two thousand years of mathematics people like pythagoras wouldn't be around anymore (laughs) people that don't believe in irrational numbers
2: yeah
0: don't believe in infinity i'm
1: I'm hearing i'm hearing a but coming yeah right There's
0: (laughs) there's a big but there's there's a lot of people around well not a lot of people i should say but there are some people in the mathematical community who still think Along similar lines to Pythagoras. Really? That's right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Even after all these years that the ideas, like the fundamental ideas of mathematics have been built on, it still persists.
0: It still persists. Hmm. Yeah.
2: So what, I feel like
1: you have a bit of a something, something to rag on that you want to get off your chest. <laughs> this is the place to do it on the on the yeah, Bailey Science Podcast. Don't worry, no one listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> So, so get it off your chest. Let's let's hear what so what's been what's on your
0: mind. So with Pythagoras, he <laughs> didn't believe in the square root of two because mm. it's irrational. It yeah. can't be written as a fraction. Yeah. So he didn't Yeah, he didn't believe them for that reason. Mm. So modern mathematicians don't have so much a gripe with that. Mm. But other parts of square root of two and pi and e mm. are still wrong. Oh. Okay. And the problem for The people I have in mind Is that it takes an infinite amount of decimal places To write it down Mm. Yeah And this fear of infinity has been around (laughs) for a long time Yeah Pretty much as long as mathematics has been around And people have uh, Yeah, as long as people have been thinking about mathematics A fear of infinity has been around So before (laughs) I mentioned this uh, Constructing a line between two points yeah. And what Euclid meant by doing mm. it indefinitely.
2: It got everyone upset. It
0: got everyone upset and people debated about this for a long time. Yeah. And of course the church weighed in mm. as they do on yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Even when they shouldn't. <clears throat> and they decreed that infinity doesn't exist and infinitesimals don't exist. Oh. So any mathematician that decided to publish anything.
2: We're heretics. We're heretics, yeah. Oh dear.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they uh,
2: that's that's an unfortunate weigh-in. Quite rarely their weighing's in have a had a positive
0: outcome. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> so the the Catholics have this book, I forget its name. or they used to, I think they stopped it now. But it was just a catalogue of books that have been banned. And so weren't.
1: we had there were some banned maths. There's some point. banned maths, yeah. <laughs>
0: One couldn't talk about infinitesimals or infinity because that was God's realm and not the realm of mere finite humans. So I
1: I recently ran into this issue. So I was having a discussion with my girlfriend and she'll appreciate this because, and maybe you can explain this better than I can because it got her very riled up. So (laughs) it was talking about, of course, uh, Hilbert's, famous thought experience of Hilbert's Hotel. I love it. I love yeah. It. Yep. So it gets
2: a lot of people riled up. Yeah.
1: So the I, I'll i start off by prefacing in that the, the whole point of this idea yeah. of this hotel is that it points out that there are different results when you start dealing with infinities than dealing with finite
0: numbers, right? Counterintuitive yep. results.
1: Yeah. Yep. So ideas that you don't...
0: But not necessarily wrong.
1: Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm. Depending on who you ask, if you ask my girlfriend Georgia, you'll no, it's just wrong, <laughs> <laughs> right? But we'll, we'll but try. You're always that. wrong, Alex. So, so what's, what's the news. <laughs> okay, so seeing as well, there's kind of the two stages of Hellburt Hotel, so I'll start off with the first one, sure, which is the the world that we're we're all happy to live in of uh-huh. things that we're used to experiencing a finite amounts. Whereas if you have a hotel with a certain number of floors, say so it has a hundred floors. Okay. And or a hundred rooms make it easier. Hundred rooms. Hundred rooms, and there's a hundred people in this hotel, so it's full to capacity. Sure. Uh, A guest or a new person comes along, goes to the reception, and says, "I'd like a room, please." The question is, can that person fit in the hotel? Yeah. And if you have a hundred rooms, obviously our experience is like, well, no, the the hotel's full. You can't have a room, please go away, find somewhere else. Mm. But. I'll, I'll let you take over for Yeah, so let's, the continuation. let's
0: entertain the thought that there might be able to fit one more person in mm. And how could we do this mm. Well, we could take the person and let's just say the doors are numbered 1 to 100 Yeah Was it? Yep, 1 to 100 mm. So let's just take the person in room 1 and put them in room 2 mm. And that leaves room 1 empty mm. So the new person can go in there But what for
1: person in room 2?
0: He can go to room 3 Oh what? And so on and so forth <laughs> What about the, room 100? Yeah, the poor person in room 100 is left without a room mm. So indeed, you're right <laughs> This hotel is full and the new person should not have a room <laughs> That's good service But so what happens in the infinite hotel?
1: Mm. So the the idea then goes, okay Rather than having 100, we have infinitely many rooms
0: Right, so let's be precise about what that means Oh, mm. <laughs> What does that mean? So <coughs> that means that There's infinitely many doors And each door has a whole number on it So there's a door one, a door two, a door three And as far as you go along There's a door with Mm. N on it For some number N Mm. Three million, four million There's Mm -hmm. infinitely many Not pi though
1: No pi room Not pi, no (laughs) That's not a number
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pi is not (laughs) a number, that's right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, pi is uh, not a whole number can't be yeah. yeah so it doesn't count really, yeah. <laughs> but
1: okay so we have our for every number there is a room with that number and for, then for every room there is a guest there's now. a
0: guest in there so
1: we've yeah. filled we've filled up our hotel um and now our interloper comes in again comes in knocking and says please sir can i have a room
0: yeah <laughs> so so can he fit
2: so I Gee. guess you could try and employ the previous tactic. Let's, let's shift everyone up a room. What happens in this case now? We've got yeah, right. an infinite number of rooms and an infinite number of guests.
0: So room one, person in room one goes to room two. He's got a room. Person in room two goes to room three. He's got a room. Uh, and so on and so forth. And can you find anyone who runs out? Or can you find anyone who doesn't get a room? I guess
2: if, that's, if someone runs out of a room, then you're saying infinity is finite. Right,
1: yeah Which you're, you're contradicting S- sort of yourself Yeah, yeah. it would be yeah.
0: like the the first case yeah. If someone ran out of a room That would mean that there's no room to go mm. into But we can always find bigger numbers So we can always find the next room So, so the, this yeah. in infinitely large hotel Can accommodate our one new guest So you're saying infinity
2: plus one is equal to infinity? <laughs> yes, I am Oh, oh no Big, uh, yeah. big claim <laughs> <laughs> Huge if true. <laughs> <laughs> you hit it here first <laughs> Yep, I am. <laughs> but let's up the ante a bit. What mm-hmm. if, say, I just have a bus that happens to have, uh, say, an infinite number of people on it? Can we fit so to my an bus? infinitely
1: long bus with an infinite number of seats with infinitely with a person in every
2: seat? Yeah, <laughs> and they all I I take them on a tour and I want to store them in Hilbert's hotel. Can
0: they find sure. a room? So again, I just want to be hyper precise about this. <laughs> yeah, and you're bringing rigor to this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm great. sorry, a mathematician that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, what do you mean by an infinitely large bus? Oh, we just have um, uh, for every whole number there's a person, or say. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. For every whole number there's a bus seat with a person on it. Let's yeah. say that. Yeah. So, we fit one person into our infinitely large hotel that had all rooms full. Mm. Can we fit infinitely many people in? Mm. Can we? Does anyone want to hazard well, a guess?
1: I'm going to say we can keep on pulling the same trick, right? We just get...
0: Oh. Or would okay, it... okay, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. So, if we have infinitely many people, that means the person in door one has mm. to go infinitely mm. far along. Ah. Oh. Mm. Or they always if, if going to, to the next to...
1: room. Like, you just can never get everyone out of the bus. Yeah,
0: that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So a mathematician would say that there's no function, there's no rule for determining yeah. how the people on the bus can go to a specific room. So it's undefined. Yeah, it's You undefined. can't just
2: shuffle the so, hotel people so
1: Yeah. Let me put this very clearly now, the, the best way possible, which is that infinity plus one equals infinity. Mm-hmm. But infinity plus infinity doesn't equal infinity.
0: No, infinity plus infinity does still equal infinity. Oh, so, <laughs> you got wrecked. <laughs> so the first method won't work, but there will be a method which does work.
2: Oh, wow. So okay, An infinitely do
0: large this? bus will f- be accommodated in Hilbert's Hotel.
2: So you need to think of a function that isn't simply your room number plus infinity.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because what does plus infinity mean? Mm. Yeah, despite the fact that you guys are talking about <laughs> plus infinity. It's actually <laughs> a little <Yeah>. subtle. <laughs> very subtle. So we need to think of another function exactly. So if we think of everyone that's already in the hotel, mm. what happens if we... What type of number do we get if we take their hotel number and multiply it by two? We get an even number. Thank you. Good. How many even numbers are there? An infinite many. An infinite many. Right, (laughs) exactly. They don't run out. So if we take everyone in the hotel and send them to the room, which is twice their room number, Mm. Mm. they'll all have a room. And there's infinitely many rooms. But
2: But, they'll they'll only be in even rooms. They'll only be in in even rooms. That's right. So now only half of the hotel is (laughs) occupied Yeah,
0: half, I'm in commas Yeah, (laughs) yeah
2: So I guess this is where people start getting mad Yeah, 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 fair enough (laughs) Because is
1: infinity even
0: or odd? (laughs) Yeah, right Uh, So there's infinitely many even numbers and How many odd numbers are there? I guess the same amount Yeah, there's infinitely many odd numbers They Mm. don't run out And so everyone on the bus can go to the odd numbered rooms Hmm.
2: So now we've taken infinity and added an infinite number of people into there. Yep. We've doubled infinity and then got infinity back again. Yeah. It so, <laughs> gets, so, be- gets better, guys. It so <laughs> gets be- way better. Oh, we're going to go deeper? So we're going to go deeper. Let's just oh. be clear on this step. We we had a an infinite hotel with an infinite number of rooms and an infinite number of people in each one of those rooms. We moved yep. each one of those people uh, to the multiple of two of their current room number and we have Therefore. an infinite hotel with an infinite number of people, but now with an infinite number of spare rooms. That's right. Mm. <laughs> Can I, I'm just going to make a prediction at this point. If, uh, if Georgia
1: is listening, my girlfriend, I bet she's thrown her laptop out the window
0: <laughs> by now. Sorry, Georgia. <laughs> it's probably a good thing because it's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, take us down. I, I'm, I'm ready.
0: Okay, so Ryan suggested we have a bus full of infinitely many people to accommodate yeah. in our hotel. Mm -hmm. What happens if we have infinitely many buses (laughs) Each of which containing infinitely many people And just again to be super precise I mean There's a bus for each whole number And in each bus there's a person for each whole number Yeah Can we accommodate this (laughs) Extremely large number of (laughs) guests
2: I'm sure the answer is yes we can Yeah But we're going to have to play tricks again We're going to have to play tricks Can we just employ the same trick over and over and over and over would that work? Multiplying each room by two, then shuffling the bus or, in. So with bus,
1: one, the first bus, we everyone you go to the even numbers. Can we just multiply by three,
2: the bus number by plus one?
0: I like your idea. Yeah, you could keep doing that, right?
2: Shuffle I everyone shuffle by a factor of two each time.
0: Yeah, that would work. That wasn't what I had in mind, but that would. I think hmm. that would work.
2: But would that run into the same problem we had with the uh, plus one scenario that... Uh, because we've got an infinite number of buses, the function becomes undefined.
0: The function's not undefined; it will never finish, right? For sure. so we need a
2: super task to finish it.
0: Yeah, but we can define it at each stage. <laughs> I'll just uh, drop the super task. Yeah, that, we, that's we won't a whole touch can that. <laughs> okay, I don't know what a super task is, but
2: oh, it's, it's, it
1: there's, it there's a great v- Vsauce video on it. Go check it out. Yeah. Perhaps we'll discuss in a later episode. Yeah. For now, all okay, right. So, what so was that's your idea perfectly
0: with? good solution? But hmm. my Solution relies on the the number of primes. Okay. Oh. How many prime numbers are there? Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's not one I know the straight
1: answer to. I
2: predict Th- well. I'm get. I'd guess infinitely many
1: as yeah. well. But
0: yeah. so that's Im- a
2: big question, right? Is is there a limit to primes?
0: There's no limit to primes. Hmm. Euclid himself proved that there are infinitely many primes. Huh.
1: Mm. We, we need to read up on, on You yeah. Euclid need to read some Euclid Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, Yeah let me leave that there So there's infinitely many primes And Euclid proved it mm. And we can use this fact To accommodate infinitely many buses Containing Each of which containing Infinitely many people So how do we do that? So we take the people in the hotel mm. And we Instead of multiplying Their room number by two We raise two To the power of their room number
2: Oh dear They're walking far <laughs> They're walking but, yeah. a long way yeah. They're but, walking yeah. far But a finite distance They're walking yeah. a,
0: fa- a long Finite distance That we can We can uh, Give to them We can yeah. Tell each person How far they have to go I see So these people Are all in powers of two Yeah Yeah And then we go to the first bus Uh huh And take all their Numbers And raise three To the power of their numbers So these people Are all in powers of three Okay And we do this for each prime Because each whole number Can be written uniquely as a power of As a product of powers of primes Yeah That's another fact Oh, I was like uh, Good old Euclid Hang on a second Uh,
1: Uh, That just broke my brain a little bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's have a composite Someone give me a composite number A number which isn't prime It's not too big Six Six, okay, good so we can write six as a product of prime numbers mm. Does someone want to tell me what they are? someone want to Can you write six as the product of any two numbers? Two and three Two and three yeah. Cool Two and three are prime numbers Yeah And so six can be written as a product of prime numbers mm-hmm. And this is the only way that six can be written as a product of prime numbers mm. This is true for any whole number Okay Okay. So <laughs> we need to rely on that fact when we are accommodating our new guests into the yep. hotel. So the first bus, the people get sent to three power three to the power of their seat number. Yeah. In the hotel. Mm-hmm. So we have people in powers of two and powers of three. So mm. the
1: power so the powers of two are not in the same set as the powers of three.
0: That's right. Yeah, okay. they're completely distinct. Yeah. Because it's a it's a Product of prime numbers Right And so The number it specifies Is unique So I I I guess then the third bus Would that be Powers of the the next prime Okay And the next prime is five
2: Right So it's developing On the idea of The multiplying Every room by two Right So you've You made two separate sets You made an even set
0: And an odd set Or in this one You're making prime sets Prime sets Yeah let's call them that Yep Ah. Powers of two sets Powers of three sets Powers of five sets And notice there's still a lot of rooms left once this process is quote-unquote finished.
2: There's still, I guess, an infinite number of six lists because there's an infinite number of primes.
0: Yeah, but there's also an infinite number of composite numbers. So we've used... Uh. uh, Sorry. We've not used any numbers which have two distinct primes in their representation. Yeah. So no one on any bus got sent to six. I see. Because six is two times three, it's neither a power of two nor a power of three. three. So we've, yeah, we've actually made
1: space in our hotel Yeah, that's so, right So you can see why people get really angry
2: about this really quickly
0: <laughs> It's a brain bender for sure
2: Yeah I remember uh, a few months ago I got Rob to come along and talk to my kids uh, Class that I teach every now and then mm-hmm. um, About this kind of thing
0: Exactly And the they all got experiment. so mad
2: when we <laughs> did the first thing With multiplying numbers by two And opening up half of the rooms in Hillwitts Hotel Yep. It's it's good. The madder you get, the more you're understanding. Yeah, I
0: think that's, yeah.
2: So yeah. are there
1: still people in the modern day who are involved in mathematics who still don't like these infinities? Are there still angry people out there?
0: Yeah, there are. <laughs> oh. Yeah, people who don't. Uh, so the idea of collecting infinitely many things together yeah. into what a mathematician would call a set yeah. is contentious. Among some mathematicians
2: Right So infinite
0: sets are an idea Which is contentious
2: Hmm. So how do they get around An idea of not Constructing these things
0: Um So (laughs) for them I think it's not a thing To get around They just don't exist to begin with They don't exist to begin with So they don't deserve thinking about
1: Right So does that also apply to the so an idea that's really common in physics at least is idea of infinite sums Mm -hmm. in that if you do, if you add a sum up enough, eventually you'll approach a certain value. In fact, you can even, or what an infinite sum, some like the claims are that you actually, you go to an exact
0: value after an infinite sum. Yeah. You can make sense of an infinite sum. You can specify a a precise value for it, which is um, some infinite sums.
1: Yeah. Um, which is part, and part of that that foundation is actually buried in things like calculus, like integral mm. calculus and that kind of thing. Yep,
0: exactly. Um, the study of infinitesimals, which the yeah. church banned. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, the idea. So, it, what I mean by that, and so integrals, uh, in a strange way, if you can imagine, if you want to add up some amount of length, so oh. you can imagine like the length of your forearm, for example, mm-hmm. you can imagine breaking the length of your arm down into smaller and smaller, or anything, down into smaller and smaller slices. Mm-hmm. And then mm. when you add them together, you still get the same length. And the question becomes, what if you were to break it down into infinitesimally small slices and add them together yeah. and add together infinitely many of them? Mm. You can. The idea is that you st- would still end up at the same length, which is a bit of a... It sounds silly because you're just adding up things with no length to get a finite amount of length.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: But there are good ideas behind this and that the whole uh, basis of much of of pretty much nearly all of physics Uh in terms of how things change, how things change over time, adding up the amounts of change is all based on things like integral calculus. Yeah, that's right. So my question is, do do these people who don't like the idea of infinities, do they want to throw out these kind of ideas as well?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these ideas rely on one to be able to uh, break things up indefinitely do an infinite process And yeah. these people don't Don't care for infinite things Infinite processes
2: So how do they Suggest we deal With physics Just the, take it out back and. They're not normally it.
0: physicists actually So I've never talk, <laughs> heard them talk about physics mm. Okay Yeah All Right. They're then. often computer scientists Which All makes right. sense Because a computer is only finite Has Is only a A finite state machine Yeah I think well, that's the <laughs> correct terminology mm. And so if they want a computer to be able to do it, then they have to be able to describe it. So
1: computers are kind of like Pythagoreans, right? They only like whole numbers. That yeah, are exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Mm. Yep. And even numbers, you can't uh, only finitely many finite numbers.
2: Hmm. Oh mm. uh, yeah, it seems a bit sketchy that there are, there are groups of people still that disregard everything.
0: Yeah, I, I totally much. agree. 2000 years of work doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, and it's it, it does such a good job as well at um I guess approximating reality, I'll say.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But there's still one thing that makes I
1: I have a pet peeve, although it is somewhat of a meme these days, but it's still a pet peeve of mm-hmm. mine. Yeah. And it involves these infinite sums that we're, talk, that yeah. we're oh, talking I about. Yeah. I know yeah. Going. We, mm-hmm. So, if you go <laughs> There's it has quite a few famous YouTube videos with uh high levels of dislike rates for it, for example, on Number File, where they talk about this the sum and it's the sum of all the natural numbers so mm-hmm. one plus two plus three plus four plus blah 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 forever equals negative one twelfth. Yeah, all right. <laughs> and I, I've had it explained, but it's still
2: deep down in my core. I, I, It uh, it upsets
0: me. Yeah, it it upsets me too. (laughs) Is that does it upset
2: you as a mathematician? Because there's some dodgy stuff going on.
0: No, as a mathematician, I know there's nothing dodgy going on. Oh dear. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So can you? So what they don't mean. Mm. (laughs) Okay. So if you want to ascribe a number to an infinite sum, yeah, you have to be precise about what you mean. Yeah. Mm. And so the first approach to being precise. Is instead of doing the infinite thing all at once Whatever Mm. that might mean Is you do it in steps And so you take one and two And add them together And that's three So you can ascribe a number to a finite sum Mm -hmm. But with an infinite sum You can break it up into a sequence of finite sums So at each step you add the uh, the next entry And so you get a sequence Mm. of numbers and if that sequence of numbers, I'll say if that sequence of numbers gets smaller, it approaches some value, mm. then you can, as- you can, if you wish, ascribe that number to the infinite sum.
2: So in the case of summing up all the natural numbers, um, you're, you're not getting closer to Not getting no closer to value. So right. how do you get a, so, a result, which is minus 112?
0: Right. So not that way. Okay. Yeah. Um so uh you mentioned number file number file's video yep. is good at explaining it but there's also another video mm. from uh someone in Australia and he calls himself the Mythologer yep. Yep. So it, Yeah. Yeah. So he's on YouTube and he gives an exp- excellent explanation. Mm. So I would like to just leave it there. Mm. <laughs> but I will say that you can ascribe numbers to infinite sums in different ways.
1: Yeah.
0: So before we constructed the sequence of partial sums uh Sums that it, Finite sums where we just keep adding yeah. on the next number mm-hmm. So instead of doing that at each level You could add the next number And then say divide by two So you could take some sort of oh, No, sorry Divide by the number of numbers in your sum So you're taking like a mean Yeah, a I mean, thank yeah. you <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can take a mean at each step And so the numbers will get smaller And then that sequence might mm. approach a value but even then, the mythology will show you. It. If you take this uh, one, the sum one, two, three, four, yeah, mm. you still don't get a finite value. Th- that sequence still that sequence of averages still does not approach, right, a finite value.
1: Well, that, that that's what I that's what I expect. So how do how do we get?
0: 10 minus a 12th I'll let the mythology explain ah. that Yeah, that's complicated Okay, right. well, let's
2: let's <laughs> abandon this uh, broken reality of <laughs> This minus one twelfth So I should mention that you guys
0: are physicists And um, It's useful It's in useful in physics somehow I'm not oh, a physicist yeah. so I don't know how but.
2: It crops up in string theory somewhere Yeah um, uh, You know, make of that what you will <laughs> String theory um, But Yeah, it's It's We'll change topic now and go on to... Uh, so, every now and then, it's pretty rare for math to appear inside of popular news articles. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, it's more... Well, fairly common that when it does appear, something's amiss.
0: <laughs> and that's right.
2: So, <laughs> there's um, a famous yep. case a while ago which... Um, you're, you're a fan of, I'm sure, Rob. Yeah. Something to do with uh, Riemann stuff. Yeah, Riemann stuff, <laughs> that's right. So there's a, a long-standing problem in mathematics. Is it one of the Millennium Prizes? Yep. And so there's a lot of money riding on uh, it's the Riemann hypothesis.
0: The Riemann hypothesis, so, yeah. You... Yeah,
2: the
1: Millennium Prizes uh, were a, a set of, was it seven problems? I forget the exact number. Me too. Um, is it a number of problems that were defined by the Clay Institute, um, and each one the solution for which was given a million dollar prize. Mm, yep. And I think have th- me there's one that I know of yeah, that been me,
0: solved. Me too, the Poincaré conjecture. Um,
1: so there's it's no these, longer a conjecture. Yeah. Mm. So these tricky mass problems that would be really useful if we can if we can solve them. So there's things like fluid dynamics that have these tricky mass problems. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. So what is this what is all this Riemann business?
0: So the Riemann hypothesis uh is related to a function. So a function, what does a function do? You put a number in a function and it spits a number out. Yeah. So there's a, speci- a specific function that's related to the Riemann hypothesis. Mm. And it's a conjecture about the numbers you put in which give which spit out zero. The zeros of the function. Okay. Um
2: So why is it hard to solve?
0: Why is it, I guess if <laughs> I, I guess could if answer you knew, that. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know how the solution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it important? It's important because it tells us it's related to the prime numbers. Okay. So if we can understand the Riemann hypothesis, we can understand properties of prime numbers and mathematicians like prime numbers. (laughs) Mm.
2: So being one of these big problems, um, it's obviously good bait for people wanting to claim fame and earn some money. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a good good one a while ago. Do you want to talk about that, of a grab for fame? That yeah, went right. pretty far, actually. Yeah, it did go.
0: It went far too far.
1: What, was, was the uh, million dollars transferred, or did it go that
0: far? <laughs> it did not go that oh, far. Okay. It certainly didn't go that far. Mm. So in 2015, uh, a mathematician from uh, no, math, no university that I'd ever heard of um, claimed to have solved the Riemann hypothesis. But even better, he claimed to have solved it Based on a suggestion from one of his students.
1: Hmm.
0: Mm, that's a good story. So I think he's a high school teacher as well. So it was just a okay. lowly high school student suggesting to his teacher that he could solve the Riemann hypothesis. And yeah. the teacher
1: gave it a crack. Gave it a crack yeah.
0: and claimed that he could do it.
1: Hmm. I mean and it doesn't seem
0: totally out of this world, right? No, I mean someone might solve it one day. Yeah. I don't think it's one of these problems you mentioned before, which are undecidable. Mm. At least I hope it's not. Mm. <laughs> so, should someone will solve it one day. And this man claimed he could.
2: So, what was was there anything backing up his claim?
0: Nothing. No paper.
2: No, so, oh, yes. wait. Was there <laughs> um, even a scribble?
0: No. So, he... C- <laughs> <laughs> he claimed very loudly <laughs> that he had solved the Riemann hypothesis. And people listened. Certain people listened No one in the mathematical community listened I listened for two seconds uh. And you s- rightfully said that the Riemann hypothesis Has a million dollars ascribed to it by the Clay Mathematics Institute Yeah. So I went straight to the Clay Mathematics Institute website Because if anyone was going to talk about the Riemann hypothesis They would
2: Yeah, I mean, like, it's their wallet on the line Yeah,
0: exactly And sure enough, no mention on their website Oh <laughs> Has been made about someone proving the Riemann hypothesis So are you
2: telling me there are various uh, media organisations that published a story without checking the facts. <laughs> yeah, it
0: appears so. Hard to believe, but
2: yes. Uh, in I, 2017, uh,
1: fake 2015, uh, news? 2015, but Year yeah. of our Lord. Wow, 2015, that's early for
2: fake news, right? Yeah, that's right. Fake
1: news didn't exist before. The, the front, OG right? fake no, news. No, he
2: invented fake. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 I'm sure our um, f- uh, Daily Mail wasn't involved in any of this.
0: The Daily Mail wasn't oh, right? well. No. Oh. Yep. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Not <laughs> again. <laughs> Guys, please.
0: <laughs> Just Google something before you post <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Just Google the Riemann hypothesis. And <laughs> it should be pretty easy to verify. I verified it in about 30 seconds. Oh, no. I took... I was so annoyed at the time that I, I wrote an email to the Daily <laughs> Mail saying that you guys, <laughs> oh. your journalism is hopeless. This took me 30 seconds to... Did they reply? No. Oh.
1: Uh,
2: I asked for a job, feeling. so... Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, oh, if they're giving you that job, that would be like peak credibility right <laughs> now. Run by a mathematician. We've got to be rigorous here.
0: Yeah. But no, they just keep peddling crap.
2: Hey, now, we... We, we like our Daily Mail here.
0: provides <laughs> you with content, right? Exactly yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> they keep the show going. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, it is serious, though. In like, the mornings, if it pops up in my um, uh, news feed, our oh, Daily Mail. <laughs> this looks interesting. Something about aliens,
0: sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, the maths ones are a bit more rare, though, so I can understand why.
1: Yeah. You know, I felt a, felt a bit heartbroken. because I did. <laughs> I would
0: like math to be in the news more often. Mm. Some some magazines do do a great job of presenting math research. Mm. Quanta magazine being my favourite. Yeah, okay. but not this time. This was not good. That's unfortunate.
2: Yeah. And there was a related to what we were talking about before. There was another story that banged around quite a lot in Australian media. Oh,
0: not just Australian media. Oh,
2: everywhere, I guess. Guess who? Um, this Daily Mail. You know it. Uh, our favourite Daily Mail you know. banged around there. Uh-huh. Um. That there was a Babylonian tablet that was found, which um, uh, when interpreted in the correct way meant we didn't need to do trigonometry or something along those lines. Yeah, he's
0: claiming some strange sort of thing like that, yeah. I I presume... uh, Just to be super clear, again, (laughs) pardon my rigor, but it wasn't the fact that this uh, clay tablet was found. This was found a long time ago and understood a long time ago. Yeah, Mm. But they... The authors of the study uh, claimed to have a new interpretation, right, of what it meant. Right, so the
2: so it's kind of like a data scientist torturing the data to give you what you want. Is it Flash some, astronomer? Yeah, astronomer. <laughs> Sorry, data scientists. I mean astronomers here. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I think that's a good way of putting it. So uh, for us young people, I suppose <laughs> we knew, we wouldn't know what a trig table is because we have calculators. Yeah. This clay tablet appears to be an early form of a trick table. Hmm. So
2: and that didn't have irrational numbers
0: on it? Yeah, that's right. It, yeah, didn't have irrational numbers on it.
2: So I guess the claim that was made was that apparently these Babylonians had a system of mathematics which circumvented
0: irrational, irrational numbers. numbers. Yeah. And Some therefore have, yeah.
2: infinities and all that garbage.
0: Yeah, infinities and all that stuff go away if we do trigonometry the correct way, the Babylonian <laughs> anyway. way.
2: I do remember reading in one of the articles, um, one of the researchers saying that uh, we no longer need to use the approximations of the trigonometric um, things. Yeah, exactly. So, we don't
0: have to saw off the decimal representations. Yeah.
2: So just to, to kind of
1: fill our listeners in, because we're so used to dealing with trig pretty much all the time, especially mm. in physics. Um, so it's related to kind of what we're talking about with like Python. Pythagoras' theorem, but instead, you guys might also remember being tortured with this in Mm -hmm. high school, which is probably why you ended up tortured. (laughs) Tortured. I loved
2: it. You're a mathematician. Yeah,
1: it says a lot. But to refresh people's memories, it's all about if you have uh, a right-angled triangle with a a certain angle in one of the corners, you can figure out how long the other sides are based off one of the angles. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and luckily, we have calculators these days, in that we can just plug in yeah. whatever angle we want, and we get out the the answer for the length of one of the sides. It's all pretty easy. Mm. Um, but before uh, calculators were readily available, what was done was that often these were worked out either by hand or on something like a mechanical computer, you know, mm. pre-computed, and then a bunch of um, a bunch of useful angles, quote unquote, were then printed in books, so mm-hmm. you could look up sine of whatever number, like you know, depending on how many decimal places they went mm-hmm. to, yep. you just look it up in a book rather than plugging it in a calculator. Uh-huh. Mm. Now, something that I found really quite cool, which I learned about when how calculators worked, um, and it's also just how those numbers were made up, um, well, so those books were made, which is that for all these kind of, uh, if you want to plug in some weird number like sine of 0.912. Just plug it in. Just pulled that out of my head. Mm-hmm. In that we, there isn't necessarily an easy way to write mm-hmm. down exactly what that value is. Right. Um, so instead, actually, the those functions are approximated with yeah. sums of other things, and that's maybe a story for another time. Mm-hmm. But you can end up. There's these cool things called Taylor series, mm, which yep. you can end up basically take any, uh, well, not any function, but Common functions, things like sine, t- cos, and tan, and you can write, you can get pretty close to what its real value is yep. with a nice big long sum. Arbitrarily close. Yeah, yeah. and the longer your sum, the longer, the closer you get. Uh-huh. So if you want more decimal places, you can just keep on adding more terms onto your sum and get closer and closer and closer. Yep. Um, so that's how we can get out, and that's how cal- calculators do that on the fly now. Right. Um, but so that's kind of what Ryan was referring to in terms of having these books and be, uh, coming to approximations. Of course, uh, there are some special angles that we can choose that give us
0: exact answers Exactly, yeah (laughs) And these seem to be the precise triangles that the Babylonians had written down Oh, right So So we have a a tablet of very nicely chosen uh, triangles Such that the the trig values, not that the Babylonians would have known what trig was Mm. Were whole numbers or fractions Right Not infinitely repeating or not infinitely long decimal numbers
2: so, I guess this cycles back around to what we are talking at the beginning. It's, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't, or at least from my perspective, this seems uh, kind of backward thinking because you can easily show yourself just by doing a right angle triangle with sides uh, one that the hypotenuse is square root two. And then you're, you know, how do you calculate square root two? Well, I guess it just goes on forever. Yeah. It's, it seems odd. That these ideas persist, but I guess um, the flat earth still
0: persists all this <laughs>
2: kind of stuff.
0: So. so there was another level of, another shroud, I suppose, on this news story. Mm. It was that the Babylonians not only picked nice triangles, they picked nice triangles for their number system. Mm. All right. So our number system is base 10. Mm. So that means each decimal point is some power of 1 over 10. Yeah hmm. So 0. 0.1 means 1 over 10 yeah. yeah Whereas the Babylonians would use a base 60 Okay So each, if you were to write out a number in decimal uh, Not decimal <laughs> In s- hexadecimal? S- hexasex, I don't know s- In base 60 Yeah <laughs> <laughs> If you were to write out a, a a number like we do But with base 60 instead of base 10 mm. Um. Then numbers that were infinite in base 10 may not be infinite in base 60. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the, the and 60 so it, is how
1: we get like 60 seconds in a minute and 60 minutes in an hour, right? And 360 yeah. degrees yeah. in a circle because it's just nice Babylonian yeah. numbers. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Hmm.
0: And so that uh, gives another level of structure that
2: yeah. so it, allows in, people
0: to believe that yeah. Babylonians had something special going on, but...
2: So they're using these uh unique cases to support a claim uh that it's a better system to work with. Yeah. But if you could pick a s So okay. what you're, if from what you're saying you could pick a system that works nicely in base 10 and it would just be utter garbage in base 60. Yeah,
0: I suppose so. Yeah. Well, you could the point I think the point is I should have come up with one, but you could come up with a triangle such that the numbers that you want to calculate in base 60 mm. have infinite Representations, yeah. Just, oh, yeah this story yeah.
2: was picked up heavily by
0: the media. It was yeah all over the place. And it was... the, the authors had a real campaign to get it out there. They made a series of YouTube videos, and <laughs> yeah, they they wanted people to hear it.
1: I guess so. Really, it's no more remarkable than the special triangles we have in our base ten system. Like that, this one one root two triangle. Yeah. The angles, other than the ninety degree angle, will be forty five. Degrees, mm. and so the the tan of forty five ends up being one because you end up like one divided by one equals one.
0: It's exactly the same.
1: And then the the sine and the cosine end up being root two. Yeah, these are just mm. base sixty special triangles, yeah. basically. Hmm. Oh, that's which, cool. uh, Yeah, which is like I think in itself is something really interesting. But yeah. it's a shame that instead it was claimed that the Babylonians all of
2: maths for the last two thousand yeah. <laughs> years is wrong. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty big claim. Yeah. I so think. They
0: claimed that we should be teaching trig different ways. Okay.
2: okay. So
1: I think we're coming think to a point now where we need to lay down the law on the mathematical laws in this case. So do we think that the Pythagorean idea, do we, is, oh, I, we can't really call it BS. I don't know. Is BM. BM I think. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. is, uh, is the Pythagorean idea is that whole numbers are the only things that exist. Is that real maths or BM? I got to call BM.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm with the mathematician. Yeah, the I have to. BM. Well,
1: I have to defer to the mathematician here. <laughs> yeah. defer to the expertise.
0: Perfectly happy talking about real numbers, yeah. complex numbers. Now, yeah. do All sorts of amazing numbers.
1: Do we agree with um, Georgia in this case? Are infinities are they real maths? Should we believe them? Should we throw them out?
0: They are a very solid M. <laughs> <laughs> they are maths. Yeah, big M for maths. M. Yeah, <laughs> they are maths. They are great maths.
2: Yeah, it's infinities are annoying, but they're also remarkable because yeah. Yeah. you can play around with them so much.
1: Yeah, and I guess yeah. from our perspective is that they have a real use in physics, isn't? Mm. We kind of yeah. need them for a whole lot of the way we understand physics works. Yeah, yeah. in that yeah, we haven't seen any ob- we haven't made any observations yet that have broken those rules. Right, that use them to be
2: applied. And I guess we should uh, make sure that it's clear that. Uh, infinity isn't a number, despite yeah. us saying if we add something to infinity, it equals infinity. That's, that's pretty, well, pretty bad maths there. Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> Infinity is, I guess, better described as more of a concept than a, a number or something like that. Uh, Rob's yeah. Yeah, uh, cringing again. <laughs> one
0: can come up with a system of arithmetic which is consistent with ours uh, and allows you to add and multiply infinities. Oh, <laughs> but maybe that's a story for another. All so right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Infinity is a
1: number. All right, and finally, is trigonometry is that broken? Should we throw it out? Get rid of it?
0: Yeah, uh, no. were the Babylonians <laughs> right all along? Well the, I'm not saying the Babylonians <laughs> were wrong, but I'm saying two thousand years of yeah. mathematics has made it better, not worse.
2: It, it should, mm. An error like that should have been picked up. Um, <laughs> if the only difference
0: is base sixty versus base ten. Sorry, I want to say I said 2,000. It's 2,000 years from the Greeks. Yeah. Babylonians, I think, were 4,000 years before that. Oh, wow. Well. So, <laughs> I think know, it's like more like 6,000 6, 6, 6,
2: years. <laughs> 60,000, good addition, <laughs> right?
1: So with that, dear listener, we'll wrap up today's episode of the Bailey Science Podcast. Should I should say it's more of a Bailey Mathematics Podcast. Um, so we hope that when you see maths news in the in the media that maybe give it an extra bit of scrutiny but also get excited as well because sometimes it often is do get excited it is something pretty amazing quite often um Mm -hmm. so once again uh thank you to the ANU Center for the Public Awareness of Science for sponsoring this podcast as always my name's Alec and I'm Ryan and I'm Rob thanks for listening
0: thank you